Hi, this is Miles Zuniga from Fastball, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. to be this is small town music this is big town music he's ahead of his time you know but he can't use it if only he could prove it well tomorrow's just a song away a song away a song away hey everybody welcome to rock solid the comedy podcast for all things music both new and classic i'm pat francis and joining me in the zoom room today from the band fastball we have Tony Scalza and Mayo Zuniga. And sadly, Joey's not joining us. But uh, Tony and Mayo said that uh, Joey's not a big talker and they can fill in the gaps for him. So, guys, welcome. Miles, uh, let everyone hear your voice. Hello. Now, and Tony, let's hear your voice so people know who's who. Hi, Tony. How you doing? We're good. Uh, now, yeah. why is why is Joey such a quiet guy? Does he get out his aggression on the drums? Is that what he does? It's not that. It's just we're too talkative. And we just talk over every him and everybody else. <laughs> and he's had enough. <laughs> so he's not going to participate. He's very Clint Eastwood-like. <laughs> so he had he, a few words. He Man. doesn't say much. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. One sure. time we were... A long time ago, we were in this band called Big Car. We were tripping our minds out on mushrooms, and I was losing my mind. We were in Huntington Beach, or Hermosa Beach, rather, and we're staring at the ocean. And I said, I I'm freaking out, and I feel like I'm never going to be normal again. And he was like the Marlboro Man or Clint Eastwood or something. He was flying on mushrooms, too, but he was just standing there, and he goes, it'll pass, <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> So oh. that's what he's like. Let's jump into some career stuff. Uh, by if my math is right, this will be the 25th anniversary of Make Your Mama Proud, released in 1996. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, kind of a, that's, kind, that, that's kind of a milestone. Uh, I suppose I don't really think of it that way. Like it's so long ago, and 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 that record really didn't do anything for us. Um, it went out there. Yeah. But it was, I didn't, I, I, I don't feel that that album has the, um, the fastball sound that I've come no. to, to enjoy. We just weren't, we just didn't have our deal yet to, together. And to be honest with you, for me anyways, it was quite depressing to come home with the finished record. Mm -hmm. Like you worked so hard on it and then you get home and you're like, all right, let's listen to it now from start to finish. <laughs> And, and then there's other records that were out at the exact same time. Odelay by Beck, yeah. you know, definitely maybe by Oasis. Like all the stuff that was out at the, being released right around the same time, the Beastie Boys. And you're like, God, this just sucks. Like this isn't any, this isn't, just doesn't compare. Like I just felt like, still felt like, man, you're just some dude, some band from Austin. And Ted Turner. You got it for less than two years mm -hmm. by the time it came out. Right. I mean, I don't think it came out in 96. I think it came out in 95. It did. It came out in 96. Yeah, I have April 96. I, I do my I research. I do my research, Tony. Trust me. Well, I, in, at any rate, we weren't ready. Mm -hmm. Like, we weren't really developed yet. We were still working on it. And we'd never collaborated on anything yet. We didn't write together. We just kind of... 
And I was on a trajectory that I felt like, uh, you know, in the, in retrospect, Miles was on a different trajectory. We were like, but it seemed to work right then yeah. and built us and we built up an energy and a momentum to when we finally got off the road after Make Your Mama Proud, we were a little bit more musically fused cool. and we were, we knew we were going to do something a little bit, a little bit better anyways. Uh, you know, we didn't know exactly what to release as a single. Um, what, what really, from my perspective, like Tony was coming from this Orange County, Hollywood, punk rock scene, sort of loud, aggressive, fast. And he knew what worked in terms of like, I remember you telling me all the time, downstrokes, downstrokes, because I was playing guitar. <laughs> He was playing bass. He gets so frustrated. Downstrokes, downstrokes, and, and, and rules. He, yeah, he knew the way all he wanted. Ironically, it. all the fucking punk rock rules. He wanted it to sound a certain way, and uh, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. But, but every time we did play, his songs always went over the best, like because his rules worked, mm -hmm. like they worked, right? Like the the songs like Lender and. And uh, make your mama proud of stuff. They were really, really good. I can still recall a time you were not so far behind. You were only 15 and you still had to Do you have the same feeling as Miles about the finished product of that first album? Do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of a positive thinker. So sometimes I'm going to get home with that record and I'm still going to believe. Okay. And I'm going to put it on. I'm going to go, this is great. You know, it's really awesome. Now, and you know, just, but you know, obviously for me, it's just, it's the same kind of, well, yeah, it's, it's okay. And we're, we're, you doesn't have any of that, like that element of, of fastball something really great or yeah. And, and Tony, were well, your, your sensibilities, uh, in the punk rock mode, is that why you guys chose Jerry Finn to produce? Because I mean, he's worked with Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day and stuff. Or was that a a label decision? That was the label. That was a label. Okay. It was Rob probably right? I mean, Rob. Well, they were. I forget who they were band, bandying about, but you have to cast your mind way back to when when record companies ruled the earth. Right. Like like no one. No one coming up today can even imagine what it was like, but they were, it was like getting some sort of deal with HBO or something. There yeah. was all this money, but, but along with the money came the, the, them, the suits going like, yeah, you know, this is what you guys are. This is what we're paying for is we're paying for like a, you know, 
if, if Green Day is is Jaguar, you're a Hyundai, but you're still a car. You know, you're right. still a trio. You're still <laughs> gotcha. Like, like we need you to be this. Uh-huh. And Jerry Finn had just mixed Dookie. Yeah. And they're like, he's available and he likes you. So you should work with him. And if you don't work with him, we're going to be really disappointed. Gotcha. Like, why would you do we were, it? We worked pretty well with him, I thought. I, mean, I liked him. I liked him. And, he made it sound big and, and yeah. aggressive. And it's a heavy record, to be sure. It's heavy. But it's like, to what end? You know, like, what are, what are, we, what are we yelling about? <laughs> That's what we should have called it. What are you yelling about? <laughs> and to to talk about what you were saying, Miles, about the suits, you guys were signed to Hollywood Records, which was still a new label at the time. I, th- I think your bandmates were Queen. And um, I would assume that was a very corporate type label. Well, to be we, on. Had a cool, we had a very cool A&R guy named Rob Seidenberg. Okay. And he remains a friend to this day. And he was very understanding and very simpatico with the band. Unfortunately, there was a guy named Bob Pfeiffer who was, head, who was the president of the label. He, he was like just a stereotypical... He didn't smoke a cigar. But he was like that in the sense that he thought he knew everything. He uh-huh. thought he knew everything. He was come. There was one day he came down to the studio and he was like, um, "We were we were in production. Yeah. We were doing. We were actually we were working on. Uh, are you ready for the fallout? Which was recorded subsequently. It was recorded after we'd done the record. So we did the record. Okay. Then Tony wrote, "Are you ready for the fallout?" And it was such a great song. We decided we should put this on there. So we actually went back out to Hollywood to do it. And Bob Pfeiffer came to the pre-production and kept wanting him, Tony, to change the music so that when it goes, soon you will learn. He wanted him to do, you got to do that more. And you got to do that right away. Like he wanted it to go like, I was wondering how you feel. Are you ready for, like, basically do the very first little verse. And then soon you will learn. Like, he's like, that's got to be in there more. That's the chorus. Wow. And he, he wouldn't stop. And we just ignored him. And he left. Maybe 45 minutes of of just awkward and trying to push away and and not be rude to the president of the label. Right. Um, he was a friend of Rob's, our friend, our and our guy. And so it was it was weird. We never really did any business with him ever again or saw him ever again. No, and he didn't, I don't think he liked us. I think he let Rob sign us as a favor to Rob, but then was like, why did you sign these guys? You know, 
They've got they've got one tattoo between the three of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we, look at them. Just look at them. They don't look like anything. You know, they were signing all these bands like New York Loose and all these different acts. I forget something. Yeah, they were trying to push the envelope and, yeah. and find something really different and cool. By the way, that president was gone before yeah. we did their, the, the next album. He was gone and, yeah. and Robert Cavallo came in and, you know, kind of legitimized it as a record label. I mean, they already were a, a Disney company, right? It, they were yes. On a lot at, in Buena Vista, right? Uh, so once Cavallo came in with all his, you know, management history and everything and production and uh, it was just like, you know, we felt like something was going to happen and I, our, we felt better about our, our record, which was, you know, all the pain money can buy. And, um, you know, it was a totally different situation yeah. then. I can't even imagine how frustrating it would be for you guys as artists to have to listen to the suits is what we'll call them. But uh, that must be, it must be ridiculous because you guys are the ones. It's been a long the, time. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> so let's move on now. Let's move on to 1998, All the Pain Money Can Buy. A lot of bands are afraid that they're going to suffer a sophomore slump. Well, you guys are quite the opposite because this is like a sophomore surge because you guys have a, a platinum record. I mean, that's, you guys must have been over the moon. What, what a change from the debut to this. I mean, I really feel like you cemented the fastball sound. Is, is this, did you guys, Miles, did you guys get the sound you were looking for on the second record? Well, what's really interesting is that, okay, so we did the first record. I didn't really like it that much. And then we toured and then we didn't sell anything. And then we were supposed to be dropped. And then, then Rob, I mean, uh, Bob one would Pfeiffer. expect Bob Pfeiffer got fired or left the label. So we would have been dropped, but, but just as luck would have it, he left. So there was suddenly this vacuum. And right around that time, artistically, I was going like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not feeling like, I'm not feeling like the things I want to do are going to happen with this group. I wasn't sure. Cause we definitely were playing that really fast music that really like make your mama proud right and so i started writing all these different songs like slow drag and stuff like that and then tony showed me out of my head which was like exactly what i was trying to do only way better than anything i had written sometimes i feel like i am drunk behind the wheel the wheel of possibility however it may roll Give it a spin, see if you can somehow factor in. You know there's always more than one way to say exactly what you mean to say. Was I out of my head or was I out of my mind? How could I have ever been so blind? I was waiting for an indication. It was hard to find. Don't matter what I say, only what
And I was like, oh my God, this is so insane that we're on the same wavelength. We didn't talk about it at all. I was, I was trying to make demos on Oasis song. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound anything was, like it. But I was thinking I about Oasis, cam. open chords and just like kind of folky, but rock. Yeah. And I, I had bought a four track but with Make Your Mama Proud. I would have to bring my ideas into the band only to have some of them shot down, you know, by Tony mostly. <laughs> Going, I don't like that. I don't want to play that. I don't like that. So I would have to, so it's it sucks. So then I got a four track and I was like, I'm just gonna demo all my shit here. And then I'm gonna send them directly to Hollywood, to Rob and Julian, who had started to come into the picture as a producer. And that's Julian Raymond. Yeah, and I just started to send my music to them because I was like, I need these songs to have a day in court. Okay. But like I said, Tony then wrote out of my head. And to me, it was the best song we had. I still think it's like one of the best songs we have. And it was everything I was trying to get at. It's just he did it so much better. When he played the demo, I was just like, fuck, this is amazing, man. So, Miles, you wanted to present your songs as a fully formed demo because you felt like that way it, it would have the best shot of getting yeah. on the record. Yes. Okay. We have a day, a day in court. Okay. And Tony, how... Now, now, now things are different. I play stuff for Tony and we're very more collaborative and I, it's been 20 years, so I trust his opinion a lot more. Back then, we didn't we didn't know each other that well. We'd only been in a band two years together, and we were young, and we were <laughs> very you know, ambitious, like yeah, crazy. How much ego is involved between you two? Because you guys are the primary songwriters. You do collaborate in the later albums, but early on, there's Miles songs and there's Tony songs. Back then, it was a battle for it was a battle like unapologetic. Mm. We were nice to each other, I guess, but we wanted, I wanted my songs to succeed. He wanted his songs. To Absolutely. It was, it was, so there was no apologies about it. It was like, this I got to say, I found some, I got some right there. There's some discs. I got a tower of discs and I found some stuff that was quite surprising. It was demos that you had done in 99. Uh-huh. And stuff that I vaguely remember hearing and stuff that was not very familiar at all. I was just like, whoa, um, you know, and I want to talk about it in the future, you know, when, when we're, but because I don't exactly know all the titles I'd have to go on in my. Uh, Is any of it any good? <laughs> some of them are good. There's good ideas is what I'm good saying. Idea. And it's yeah, funny. it seems current, like to what we're into now, too. I mean, it's like. This would have been a Joey question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys try and answer. My question to Joey would have been, with Miles and Tony, and since Joey isn't a songwriter, how does he insert himself creatively into the creation of these songs? Does he have say? Is he, is he a tiebreaker if you guys are voting on something? What, how does that work? Do you want me to answer like he would answer? <laughs> okay, I'll let you, Miles, yeah. you answer how Joey would answer. He would go, if you say, how do you contribute or how do you, he go with my kick-ass drum parts.
And that's all he would say. That's all he would say. He doesn't really, he's super diplomatic Mm -hmm. when we're working with him. Joey's not the type of guy that goes, that sucks. Or like, I don't like that. No, no, no. He'll never say anything bad about it. I've never heard him say, I don't like that. Um, He's very much like, he'll sit and let us hash it out. Okay. And then whichever way the wind seems to be blowing, He'll kind of go with it. He's very, he's very, he's really just a, a rock solid guy, rocks, a rock solid drummer. And very like, he doesn't really cause any problems. We cause all the problems. Okay. But he's, but he, but at the end of the day, he, he feels like he's fulfilled as a member of fastball because of his kick-ass drums. Okay, cool. Um, And I will speak for him. I know that he's sitting at home just chomping at the bit to go out and play and play shows. Uh, he's That's what gets him excited. Yeah. He likes to do all the stuff in almost a weird way. He likes some of the, to which I think Miles and I think are the worst aspects of being on the road. <laughs> they like really, he likes to uh, wait around in a lobby or in a, uh, you know, airport gate for for a while <laughs> let me uh, get there early he likes to lose sleep too he's very stoic <laughs> more like a, a better description is like he's like an athlete everything is approached from like an athletic performance standpoint all right that's cool so when he plays the drums it's all about precision all about energy he's very athletic about it and he approaches everything like almost like a athlete going to the game. All right, cool. Going to the game. Whereas Tony and I are way more emotional about the game. We're like, weather veins. Why are we here? What the fuck? <laughs> God damn it. There's nowhere to eat. Like we flip out. <laughs> he doesn't flip out. He just, he's just like, well, what time's the show? He's super, sometimes it drives us insane. I was going to say, sometimes when someone's so calm, it can drive you nuts. We're like, are you experiencing the same thing we are? Because, (laughs) because this isn't, this is bananas. And he's just like, we flew back from the Middle East. Okay. It was like, it took us a day to go from the Middle East back to, we had a gig in Minneapolis. We land, we're booked at this friggin' hotel right by the airport that just happens to be right over the frigging flight. Like, like there's a hotel <laughs> by the airport and then there's a the flight path. For sure. sure. This one was under the flight path, man. So <laughs> we're like psychotically no sleep. And you're trying to take, you're trying to like turn out the lights and the room is shaking and stuff. <laughs> and I switched hotels because I couldn't take it. I friggin', I freaking booked myself a hotel in downtown Minneapolis, took an Uber that cost like 50 bucks to get there. And I was like, I just need my sleep. But Joey and Tony stayed at the hotel, but he was definitely upset 
I batted it around. I got I got less upset as the night wore off, and I and I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I was a lot better. But but Joey was very like, well, <laughs> we're most here. Out, but most you'll get out of is like, well, yeah, it's kind of loud. <laughs> I was fuming when we got to the hotel. Fuming, and there was a family across the hall from me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I called you and I was like, I, I think I want to get another hotel. I want to get another. But then I thought about it. And it's just like, man, do I really want to get all my stuff back? Right. In days? Yeah. yeah, you just finished the 27 hours. Yeah. So I gave up and I surrendered and it was all good in the end. I love it that this one story had such an impact on both of you. This, this loud plane over the hotel story. It was a night. It was we came Sunday. in from Turkey. We were in Turkey. <laughs> but that's that's part of the dynamic of the group. Right. That, that we, me and him get upset and, and we get upset over different things and at different times. And then our drummer can drive us insane with his take it, <laughs> take it as it comes calm thing where you just kind of, and then, and then also he'll go like, he'll also say things like, uh, well, you know, uh, I played well or whatever. He's like, I, I like he'll talk yeah, about the show. <laughs> he goes, well, I, I mean, I, I didn't fuck up. And you're like, but you're playing the, you don't have to emote. You're like, I either get psychotic. Like I have to emote. Do you understand? I have to sing the fucking word. I have to remember the words. First of all, you don't have to remember any words. <laughs> right. Let me, uh... I, you do this. You do this. <laughs> you hit. I have to emote, motherfucker. I have to like remember the words and like try to convey a story. It's much you know, harder for me to do that too. Drama queens. Now, let me ask you this. Since we're talking about jo Joey, he does have a, one songwriting credit that I could find on the song Every Time She Walks. That's erroneous. From, that's, wh what do you mean by that? That's a clerical erroneous. That was a mistake? mistake. Yeah, and Tony's credited too, and he didn't help write it either. So I wrote it with the guy from Spoon. Brit, and Brit Daniel. Listening to the sound of the day stop. The chords keep ringing. I can't believe what I found. I'm shell shocked. I'm finding out when I hear the coming round. I drop everything when I hear the coming And somehow they, um, someone put that, put their names on there and it never got fixed, but the song, eh, the song didn't make, it, it wasn't a massive hit song or anything. It didn't make enough money to where you'd be oh, knocking on Tony's no. door to get your cut back. No, no, okay. no. All right. No. Let's, uh, Nothing let's stay, uh, let's stay on all the pain money can buy. So, uh, Julian Raymond, how do you guys get hooked up with him? He was at the label already. Okay. He actually came to see us play with Rob to decide if they wanted to sign us. And Tony had actually already worked with him, it turns out. With Julian. Unbeknownst, unbeknownst to me. But yeah, 
He had worked with. I worked with, at, I worked with Julian. I was in a band with Jack Grisham from TSOL that was called Tender Fury, and they played for about three or four years in between his, you know, time with TSOL. He had actually mm -hmm. left, did other projects. So he was in the middle of this project. Somehow I got called from Randy Bradbury, the, the bass player. Uh, you want to come and try out, be in the band, rehearse with us? Went there. I was in the band just like that. And I was playing guitar and they had a ton of gigs and all kinds of stuff going on. But they were we didn't really make an album. We just went in the studio to um, well, because Julian was friends with Jack. OK. And Julian happened to work at Hollywood, which was at that time a very new label. And Julian was in the studio working on Freddie Mercury solo stuff. This is posthumous, okay? Yeah. Yes, they were uh, Queen was a label mate. Yes, Freddie Mercury was already passed. Yeah. So um, you know, it wasn't like you know. Yeah. You hey, let's go hang out with Queen. Queen. At the same time, though, he was working on this this thing for Freddie Mercury stuff that he had recorded before. Gotcha. And it, as a sort of a moonlight project. We would come in there literally at like 10 o'clock at night and and go in the studio and play a couple, three, four songs we recorded as a sort of, you know, demos to try and get signed. And well, that's how I met Julian. And it's funny because I recall those sessions. It was almost the same kind of vibe as we ended up having two, two records later, you know, with with Julian. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fastball did two records with him. Yeah. And I remember the experiences being similar, you know, every time. It's kind of like a I miss playing working with him. Yeah. It's been a long time, but you know, I did three sort of projects with him. And and Miles, did you feel that Julian was was the right producer at the time? Uh, I mean, obviously the success says that he was, but were you comfortable with him also? I've never made a record like that that just seems so serendipitous and lined up so so well. Everything everything lined up perfectly. Like I don't it was weird. Mm -hmm. Um everything sounded good. Well, I
in the studio is when you have an idea in your head and you start to work on it and then you get it, you, you do takes and you get it on tape and you start to hear what it's sounding like. And you're like, yeah. it's just not And sounding. Joe Barisi engineering. Yeah. yeah, Joe Barisi was engineering and like- So you, you still have right. some of that heavy vibe and Julian's from a heavy rock place too as a musician himself, but- It was- it We was were like really, short- we got lucky with that, with that crew. Yeah, it was like shorthand. Uh, it, he understood where we were coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, he understood. He understood like, oh, yeah, bad finger like that. You don't have to explain. It's like, oh, yeah, bad finger. Like you he understood what we were trying to do. And he really helped advance it. He really did. He'd have ideas. He'd have like, you should do this or you should you should, you know, he had done his homework as a producer for sure. Yeah, so he contributed sure. tremendously. Also, he could really, really sing. So then on the harmonies, he would add his voice to the harmonies, really beefed up the way everything sounds. So it was amazing. I mean, we knew, like, making the record, it was really exciting to hear it come to fruition. We had no idea whether the record would even come out because there was no president at the label. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was very strange. It was... The other thing about it was also for me anyways, was like I'd already been in a band called Big Car that had a record on a major label flop. Nothing happened. I'd already done one record with Fastball that flopped. So I almost felt like, yeah, you're never going to have a career, but you can have this record for the rest of your life. You can put it on and play it for your eight friends that will humor you. And and you'll be really excited about how great it sounds. It truly <laughs> yeah. So That's then- what I was thinking. So then let me, let me ask you this, Tony, as, uh, as the record is done and released and the way starts to catch fire, are you guys now being treated differently by the label? Is, is, can you feel like something's happening or your lives changing? what way tell me um it's kind of hard to go back and be accurate about it all for me but you know we actually had you know conversations with the president of the label instead of you know him just bursting into some rehearsal we were being treated in a friendly way and a very insightful way and Everybody was cool, you know. I mean, it's not like they weren't cool before, but right. the, you, know, you could feel it. I mean, we I, had a lot of stuff to do too. I mean, boy, did they stack up the work for us. It was yeah. time to go. You know, they knew it was it was going to happen. They just they had that perspective that this is what we focus on. And you know, people from different 
different places started converging on the label and, you know, getting jobs there to work had, our record. I had vivid memories. I, I, everything literally changed like overnight. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> they, they, they all of a sudden, it's very hard to get a label to pay attention to you. And then all of a sudden you run the radio and what the biggest change is, you have to go before the sales department. Never seen, never didn't even know there was a sales department before. And all of a sudden, you have to, you have to go do a show for the sales guys, not just in LA, but we're going to fly you to Atlanta and we're going to fly you. Yeah. yeah, We're going to fly you to all the big sales things. And you're going to go into a conference room and you're going to play three songs. And then they're going to talk about you like you're a shoe, like you're Nike. <laughs> you're a shoe. They're going to almost talk about you like you're not there. You're in the room, but they're like, oh we're my really God. excited about this. We're really excited about this project. It's got all the, you know, and it's like you're this year's shoe. So that wow. it was, yeah. It's got laces. It's got a, it's got a nice sole to it. it it's comfortable. This is how they're talking the early, about you. Early, yeah, because they get feedback. Yeah. They get feedback from radio. It's performing at radio. It's performing 18 to 35s <laughs> off the chart. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, my God. That, that demographic, no burnout, no burnout. Um, retention factors high, no burnout. It's, it's, it's number one with a bullet. We're putting all our horses <laughs> behind it. Like, they... They test market this crap all the time. And then do you three get in the car after one of these things and just laugh to each other? Like, this is ridiculous. Well, well, it was actually, it's very intoxicating. That part sucks. Mm -hmm. And having to go to dinner with those people suck too, because yeah. they're all they do is talk, talk. It's their sales. Man, I remember that one thing. <laughs> we went to the, it was in a conference room in Detroit in a hotel and it was bleak weather. It was black outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then they're like, we're going to go across the board. You know, let's go to Canada and eat and have dinner. <laughs> and so it's a two hour drive. I didn't realize we're going from, you know, way yeah. on one side of town into Windsor. And then we have to go through the border and then we get to this restaurant. And But during the time I was sitting in the back and it's a rental car. And I swear to God, it's like, it, I'm probably wrong, but it felt like it was like this Eldorado Cadillac, right? What? Like huge cavernous car. And I'm in the back seat and I'm like this big. And these two, <laughs> these two label guys, they're, they're, uh, um, you know, radio promo guys. And they are talking about me and they're talking about the record. And yeah, I felt I felt weird. I felt like <laughs> you know what? everybody was everybody was Italian. You weren't there, yeah. You was just me. No, okay. Just but kidding. when we had when we had dinner, I remember that dinner. We suddenly was forever suddenly surrounded by Italian guys. These weren't like the salespeople. Right. These were the people that, that you know, to be dramatic, that hang you out of a balcony window. <laughs> Are you gonna play the way? You know, like, 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 the guys, I'm not making this up. One of the guy's name was Joey Vendetta. Yeah. That was his name. And they're like, yeah, Joey oh Vendetta. Yeah, no, Joey Vendetta's got that solid. He's got that solid. You got the Aerosmith tickets? They were like that. Yeah. The Aerosmith tickets. I got the Aerosmith tickets. So okay, these, great. These are, shady, these are shady dudes. Well, they're the people that I would, to put it. I wouldn't this, say that. I, I mean, wouldn't say they, they were shady, but they, they fit. They, They've yeah, been, they fit a certain uh, a certain stereotype. 
Yeah, they got yeah, things done. Okay. This I'm the Italian, Italian in the room. So. Yeah, I know you are. I know. <laughs> hey, Tony. It's the last I'm the one that says there is no mafia. <laughs> it was the uh it was the last glory days of of the record biz, that the way that it used to be. Yeah. So there's no doubt there was back there was payola and kind of backroom deals and like all kinds of you scratch my back or you owe me for this one. That was happening all the time and we just weren't it's all just right. the machination. We weren't interested in that. We were interested in having a good time. You know, cool. we were interested in playing rock and roll and having a good time. Let me ask you about you brought up Badfinger. Let me ask you, Tony, and then Miles, you can answer also. Are you were you guys heavily influenced by the British invasion? Because I know you've done a couple covers on some albums. You did a cover well, of the both, Who. Both of us were definitely absolutely. Yeah. And not, not just of the music, but of the songwriting as songwriters. Well, I mean, we're, yeah. We're sort of of that age where we were, you know, obviously we weren't old enough to go see the Beatles play, but we were old enough to remember that they never left right. the radio. <laughs> they never really left. And then there was actually a resurgence, you know, by 78, 80, it was clear that they weren't going anywhere and they were going to be the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And, you know, it's just that, you know, you couldn't escape from that. And if you were in a band, I think that, and you had any kind of like perspective on what's happening in, in music, you know, you can't deny that, you know, that, that stuff is heavy. And before, before Miles answers, I do want to mention that you guys do excellent covers of the real me, from the who and till the end of the day by the Kings. I think that's too literate or literal. Well, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, they're straightforward. They're straightforward, but you guys sound great. You did a good job of it, but it's, it's like trying to, trying to do exactly what they did. Well, you captured the power, which is pretty impressive. Recording. I just yeah. listened to Quadrophini the other day. It's so killer. Never gets old. At least that song is. It's the yeah. first song, by the way, I think, on, yeah. on the record. And Miles, what about you as a songwriter? Do you gravitate towards the uh, the British Invasion guys too? I mean, I, I did, yeah. I I like Tony just said, I mean, I'm at this phase in my life where I'm like, well, you could do that and you know how to do that, but I'm always trying to avoid that because it's so easy to do it's yeah. like it becomes this kind of like you're being lazy can't you can't you that and also that's already been done it's been done perfectly yeah so so there's a side of me that's like who wants to listen to another version of a beatles song i don't like like what you know like it's been done perfectly it's been it's been done as well as we can do it as well our versions there's bands that have done it in almost a literal way but it's you know you can't you can't capture the Beatles personalities right. or anything like that. I think the smithereens did a sort of like technically yeah. literal thing, but it was 
the personalities of of him, the singer, and it was kind of this darker black and white monochrome version of the Beatles that I think, and I think other bands have, have done it too, you know, and other bands have tried really hard, like to do that sort of uh, the progressive Beatles, you know, the later Beatles of bands like Jellyfish, who I need to, I need to add that when we were recording all the pain money can buy, I said something about Jellyfish. <laughs> And Julian went, I hate those guys. <laughs> I was just like, okay, okay, you know, we okay, won't. move on. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, Miles is right, though. You don't want to just keep falling back on this kind of thing. Cotton Mather, you know, they do that too, that kind of thing. And it doesn't seem to go away from it, which is good in some respect. You know, you don't want the Ramones to start you know, being a prog band. Right. But um, I think what Miles says is really great. And I, he used the word lazy. And I think that's really apt. Um, if your brain is lazy, you're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, it hurts your music rather than helps your music. I think that at least in our case, um, when I'm writing and I'm working on music, which is a lot more often since, March of last year, um, I, I find myself and I catch myself, God, you've done this already. You told, you know, it's like almost exactly a song that you wrote maybe 25 years ago, you know, yeah. 25, 20 years ago. Well, you, and that's when you have to stop and maybe take a break or and just go off the deep end and try something completely out of your wheelhouse. Well, the most recent record, it does sound like you guys are pushing yourselves as songwriters, for sure. The Help Machine came out just about two years ago, and you had uh, Steve Berlin of Los Lobos produce it. And this is a great record. I really like it, guys. Uh, this is, uh, Thank you. it's got a great vibe. There's only there's only four Tony tracks on here. It's uh it's miles heavy. How do you guys decide? You know, Tony, maybe you only brought in a handful of songs. Maybe Miles brought in more songs. How did that work? <laughs> no, okay, okay. I want to no, get no. into. I don't want to. I don't want to. Steve, Steve had a list of songs, and what you got on that record mm -hmm. is what he picked. That's what Steve picked. And okay, we let him just do that. All right. He didn't know us, so he didn't know who was. Yeah, he had no idea. Okay, and and that's not that's not either. In my opinion, it's not either bad or good. I was just curious. You know, did Miles bring in uh, twenty songs and Tony brought in ten, and that's how it worked? But you're saying Steve decided. So, so there's other songs that's that we're going to hear down the line. Then maybe. 
Well, he's already Tony's already written a bunch more that I think are better than the ones he had on in contention. Um, we're just always writing. I mean, you know, obviously, if one guy was getting most of the songs on every record, and 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 originally the band is formed to be this, then there'd be a problem. Yeah, no, <laughs> we'd probably be like, well, you know, I don't want to be in the band anymore. It's yeah, right. With the guy that I gotta was- say, the four songs I have on there are, I'm happy with those. As opposed to being unhappy with three more that may have been on there. Less- and I'd be like, oh, God, why did I even, why did I go ahead with that? No, I, I like that. That 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 makes sense. You, For you, me, it's a perfect album. Yeah, if you have four home runs. As opposed to some of the other ones where I'm not happy with some of the yeah, stuff. Yeah, you'd rather have four home runs than seven doubles. Well, I would call it uh, two home runs, a triple that <laughs> brought somebody in, and maybe a good, a good little base hit, you know, or a stolen base. How about and, that? And then the, uh, you know, the then some of the albums previous, you guys started to really collaborate and writing together. We do that. We've been doing that for a while, right? But I mean, as far as credited on the albums as. You know, There's, as a Tony that, Miles. That record actually has no collaborations between us. Right, that one doesn't. But prior to that, you guys have uh, collaborations on, on, on. Yeah, yeah. We, we collaborate if there's if there's some songs we write right from the words. Like, um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain. The Louis Louis and uh, Till I Get It Right, we wrote. Uh huh. Right. Also, Mercenary Girl. Mercenary girl. So like in the case of Louie Louie, we, I think we were trying to record something else. And then we started messing around together. We both had guitars in our hands and suddenly we had the riff. Uh-huh. 
We just went from there. We were like, this is cool. What could we do with this? Until I get a ride, same thing. Tony had that awesome dun 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 So I wrote on your piano at your house. Yeah, so the song just started to happen. So um I guess if we hung out more, you know, if we were in a position to hang out more and be together a lot, we would probably those collaborations would happen a lot more. But we're older now yeah. and we have families and and is it works out. It's just we're apart, and when you're apart, you you're not gonna. You could wait for the other guy, right. I suppose. Um, but we just the natural thing to do is just finish the song, especially with these God, man, computers today. It's incredible. Like yeah. I was saying with the Tascam four track, talk about not having to wait. For <laughs> you're just like I kind of wonder what it sounds with the violin doing this, and with the you know, and with the drums doing this, and you can. Mm-hmm. Really, All you have to do is go. Let me uh, let me be bold. Let me be bold with this statement. When you guys write together, and again, I've only been talking to you guys for about forty-five minutes. I don't know you guys, but here's here's what I'm gathering. I feel like Tony is the McCartney and Miles is the Lennon. What do you think? Am I am I on the money on that, Miles? No, that's silly. <laughs> how could he even? I mean, two different people. There's no type. Okay. You you do them a disservice by putting them in a category. Okay. Well, I like that you called me silly because I don't mind that. (laughs) I respect you. I I really have enjoyed this conversation up to this point. (laughs) Oh, no, he's leaving. (laughs) Um, No, you're doing great. Thank you. But I mean, really. I mean, let's face it. The Beatles are the Beatles and... I get it. It's hard to compare oh, anyone yeah. to those guys. Yeah. I get it. I get and it. Well, Keith and Mick. I mean, who's the Keith? Who's the Mick? You know, well, yeah. I, I believe maybe we put those suits on, mm-hmm. you know, ourselves yeah. or put it on the other person, you know, Brenda here. I put it on Brenda. You know, that's <laughs> Keith's word for Mick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I, I forgot about that, that he, that he calls him that. I think superficially you're, you're correct. Superficial okay. standpoint. Okay. I have a little. I have a little. Okay, so we're going to go back and say that I'm Paul well, no, and no, you're John. From a very superficial standpoint, I have, <laughs> I have a lower voice. Musically, is that true? I mean, is it? I have a lower voice. Tony has a higher voice. Okay. Barney has a higher voice. Lennon has a lower voice. Yes. Uh, I tend to be more acidic lyrically. Tony tends to be sweeter. These are uh, kind of. This is kind of what I meant when I when I when I put that label on you. It's not that Real silly. Now it doesn't sound silly at all. <laughs> it's starting to sound good. And he, uh, Tony has real facility with melody, and I tend to be more like, I'm going to really make these three notes work, you know, or yeah. whatever. It's just the way I write songs. I'm like, I, I try to go for a more 
cinematic approach, like, oh, I'm in the, you know, I, I, I'm a meditative cinematic thing. Whereas Tony, his songs are very, the melody on spools, like almost like a fly fisherman. Yeah. And the melody <laughs> out like that. <laughs> it's gotta, I like it's that. It's got to come all the way back. I wish it were that zen. And that, well, yeah, but you know, the melody- that much of a skill that's, that was really developed. The melody line takes you on a journey, like pretty much on every one of his songs, the melody has to go quite a ways to come back, but it's very, uh, they're very good melodies. So you stay with them the whole way. And the melody goes all the way yeah. and comes back around. <laughs> Whereas mine are a little more like, uh, it's different. I'm not, I don't write songs quite that way. Um, but we both appreciate, obviously appreciate what we're doing. I need his simplicity too sometimes to keep things uh grounded like go off in a weird place that i'm not saying it's good weird it's like yeah you definitely you definitely complement each other i want to jump too many parts and too many notes and too many places and when i should remain in only maybe a few of those places gotcha song i want to talk about uh keep your wig on because Adam Schlesinger produced uh, two songs on that album. Here at the show, we say Rock and Peace. So Rock and Peace, Adam. What was it like collaborating on these two songs with Adam? It was great. I mean, there were there were actually more, um, but he had the unenviable job of trying to get us to... We were still on Hollywood. Um, we had done The Harsh Light of Day and it pretty much stiffed. And so now the label's trying to decide if they want to keep us. And for whatever reason, we were kind of like, we should get, we should try to get off Hollywood because Hollywood sucks. <laughs> we should try to get on Interscope or some baller label like that. Like, like we're stuck on Hollywood. And um, we were also real, I don't know, we were very, um, Adam was trying to convince us like, you guys need another like hit. You need another hit and it ought to be like what you did before. Like, like that's what people like. And I don't know, we were all over the place, but I just remember being very kind of like, we were trying to, no, we don't want to do that anymore. We want to, we want to try to do other stuff. And, and uh, we're not interested in that. And so he was kept trying to get us to, uh, you know, Get us to do what we were doing before. Be hit, he wanted hit makers. He wanted you guys to have hits. Yeah, very into hits, you know? I yeah. mean, he, he was unapologetic about it. Yeah, and the two songs that you did with him, Someday and Red Light, those are great tunes. Took a ride up to Reno Diamond star halo Looking around Pushing blues at the station I feed the frustration That's kicking around But you don't even know what day it is And you don't even know my name yet Baby, take a look at yourself Heaven sees what no
I was going to ask you, but you kind of answered if there was if there was uh, other songs oh, that he worked on. That ended up on. Um, oh, that's uh, right. Step in the light. We had a version with him that was really good. And there's other stuff with. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Them that was good, it just didn't come together. Like the songs didn't get finished or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, and I know it was frustrating for Adam. I mean, I'm not going to speak for him since he's not here. Right. But I know that he thought Tony was the money. Like, he, I know that he was like, why am I having to deal with this guy uh, as far as singing? This is never going to be a hit. The, where's the other guy? Where's the Where's the songs from the other Where guy? Where was I? <laughs> I don't know. We were all kind of. We were not the most. Focused. I was walking around the streets of New York. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't that focused at the time. We weren't in a good. Even though "Keep Your Wig On" is like one of my favorite. I remember ones. being bored because you were on fire trying to get stuff, you know, going, and I just kind of like, you know, oh, uh, well. They'll work that out and I'll come back with secret age of love yeah. and try to work that. We didn't really have, we, uh, that was another one that uh, Adam worked yeah, on. And then yeah. We, we, just, and we couldn't make it as cool as, as the way that demo was. Yeah. Right. He made, he, he had really good, he worked really, really hard. Um, like secret agent love is a good example. That, that was one that for whatever reason didn't, make the album i i re-recorded it myself and then we re-recorded it for a record you've been every kind of corny you lie you're so fine so unfashionable you've been everywhere a thousand times you're so cool But it never got the energy or the vibe that we got at Stratosphere with Schlesinger. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, couldn't really get into a situation working with Schlesinger again. It just it just wasn't in the stars. Or right. Whatever, you know, it's not like, you know, there was a, any kind of falling out or any anything like that. We just it just never just never you happened. Know, the label was not happening anymore, too. So a simple and, answer is we, we ended up getting dropped from Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah. be careful what you wish for. And then mm -hmm. and then um by the time we got our deal with Rikodisc, Adam was busy with something else or whatever. And it just didn't work out. And uh, we weren't 
in any position to capitalize on the collaboration. We didn't have yeah. the songs. Gotcha. At the end of the day, the songs are the biggest, most important, and they're they're the they're the things that are either going to make or break it. I don't care yeah. what kind of band you've got. If you don't have the tunes, forget it. It's like it's like a movie. You got to have the script has to be good. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah, you who. You can't have clunkers. You can't have like. And, you know, in a movie too, you can't have like, you know, three or four horrible scenes, right. even you, though the rest of the movie is great. Nope, it has to I be mean, has to be solid, start to finish. Yeah, and all, all my favorite albums, you know, there's no clunkers in there. You know, let me ask. Uh, let me ask you this. I think our last album doesn't have a clunker in it. By the way, I mean, no, it doesn't. The Help Machine is great, and and the album before that, Step Into Light, it's a good record. I mean, you. Definitely. This is, it's just, it's just about, it's just over 30 minutes long. This is like a, this is a killer pop rock album for me. There's only one song that hits the three minute mark. Sleep, sleep, come to me, I want to be dreaming. I need a break from all this planning and scheming. Sad, sad days walking around in the city. Look to my lonely mind, cause it's the only place. I get to see your face Love, love, take me there, I wanna be flying I need a break from all this driving and crying Sad, sad days walking around in the city Fly with me, I'll take you where we can't be found Until I hit the ground This is after you guys had, I don't know, like eight years off. What's going on between 2009, Little White Lies, and 2017? What are you guys, what are you guys doing? Complete disillusionment. <laughs> but like, what do you I guys? Think, yeah, God. For me, it was complete disillusionment. We were trying to figure out how to have a career, and it took a long time. Let me ask you this: this For might sure. be this might be too personal of a question, but had you made enough money at that point that you could take that long off and no. still? So what do you do? So, so yeah. So what do you do, Miles? What do you do to to earn money during that period? What are you doing? Um, man, I was just trying to scrape by however I could. Okay. I, mean, I I I I don't even know the answer to the question other than I played. I for a while I played with a, a buddy named Bruce Robeson. I was in his band. Tony's okay. played in other bands. <sighs> Just anything to avoid. I was playing getting, weddings with the tycoons. Yeah. Anything to avoid. Texas avoid getting, anything to avoid getting a real job. Yeah. See, I think from so we were playing too. Fastball was playing shows. We were weekend warriors. We just didn't have as many weekends right stacked up as we would, you know, say today. Because I there wasn't a I, pandemic. I think I, uh, another thing I did. Now that you mention it, I um. Someone asked me to, would you consider writing a song for an educational, for kids? Would you consider, uh, we're going to teach kids about math or something? We've already written the words. I'm like, thank God, that's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. we'll, send you the words, we'll send you the words and then you write the tune. 
I freaking bang it out in an hour. I record it on my laptop. I, I email it to them. Or I think back then I had to take a compact disc to their headquarters or whatever. I can't remember. Okay. They gave me like $200. And I was like, wow, that took like an hour and a half. I was like, okay. Then they, I go, you got any more? <laughs> right. Got any more? Got any more kids too? Yeah, can like, I do more of this? They go, yeah, we have more. And I started doing them and I started banging them out. Some of them are quite proud of. And then all of a sudden my phone started ringing and someone else called and they're like, we're from such and such. And we want, uh, we really love what you did for this other thing. Will you, will you do this for us? So I was doing this side hustle. Yeah. You you did a pivot. And then I was also like Tony, if someone had the odd wedding or. You even played with us. (laughs) You played guitar with us. And to me. Fall fest. To me, those years were uh, were really important in a way mm-hmm. because they were kind of like, is it all over? Or are you going to be able to survive as a musician? Can 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 you play music for a living? Yeah. Period. Well, here's and, here, and the, the reason I asked this question is because yeah. there was such a gap between albums and the outside perception from you know just fans and stuff. They think that once you have a million selling record and all that stuff that you're, you're like set for life. And, you know, that's sometimes a fantasy, you know, that's not true. So I'm I'm glad that you guys honestly answered that, that, um, you know, and let people know, you know, you, you always got to be working at your craft and, and performing 1 million selling record doesn't necessarily set you up for life. No, no, it doesn't. And, And if it did, who cares? Right. I mean, life is not about, there was a couple of years there where uh, we had come fresh off this stuff and then we stopped working so much. And I, I, I checked my bank balance and I had all this money in the bank and I didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I actually moved to Nashville to try and write country songs. But in reality, I was just drinking a lot and laying around and comfort didn't help me. Right. It didn't make life any easier. I wasn't any happier. What makes life great is doing stuff, yeah. creating stuff, playing with your friends and, and striving. That's what living is. Living is striving. If you're not striving, oh, yeah. you're on friggin' life support, man. That being alive is 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 getting up and going out and 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 pushing. Well that's what it is. It's pushing yourself to do stuff you couldn't do. It keeps you healthy, it keeps your brain active. It's 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 an illusion. It's, everybody wants to retire. But that's only because they don't know what it's like. They right. have no idea what that means. People people always say stupid shit like, I want to have millions of dollars so I could just lay on a beach and drink margaritas all day. I go, man, if that actually came to you, you were sentenced to that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to get your wish. Pick any island you want and you can have this baller house. But here's the rules. You can never not do that. Yeah. Go job yep. or do anything else. That's all, that's all you got. Margarita and sand. You got to sit on the beach and just do nothing and drink. <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah. This is worse. Why did I agree to this deal? It's, well, it's, it's no good, man. It's no two good. years tops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could say three days tops. After that, you really start to. No, I agree with you. I mean, I was joking, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to live the kind of life that uh, is projected mm-hmm. on, onto musicians. Right. Especially, you know, successful ones. Mm-hmm. Um, successful ones who aren't quite as successful as they were for a minute, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I looked, there's this ridiculous website um, that a lot of people throw around social media 
and you could Google anybody and it says what their net worth is, right? But how accurate so is that? It's a joke. I mean, it's yeah. a joke really because, you know, yeah, if I'd have saved every friggin' penny, you know, for yeah. 20 years, I'd be worth what it says I'm worth, you know. But, but again, I don't know. Again, I don't <laughs> understand. Like, to me, that's all just irrelevant and doesn't matter. Right. If, if, yeah, if, it's, if, well, here's here's what matters. In 2017, a friend of mine texted me and said, did you hear the new Fastball album? And I said, I didn't even know Fastball had a new album out. And so he sent it to me and it's killer. And it's called Step Into Light. May sound funny. I don't have lots of money, but I will never let you down. When everything's breaking, the enemy is taking the town. I'll be fighting those demons. They'll be kicking and screaming. I will throw them to the ground I'm here to protect you To love and respect you And I will never let you down And two years later, we get your most recent album, The Help Machine. And again, it's an amazing record. So now that you guys aren't under the thumb of the corporation, you guys are really coming into your own with these records, I believe. You guys have full creative control. You guys seem to be doing exactly what you want to do. And is there new fastball music coming? Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So you guys aren't going anywhere. We're just trying to figure out... You know, like you were, we're talking about albums here, right? Right. We're, I mean, I, I've been going on to some new music stuff, and I'm noticing bands aren't even making records. They're putting their singles together later. Yeah. But they're releasing singles. Um, uh, Greta Van Fleet put just put out a two-song single, just like a seven-inch yeah. in 19... Just like a 45. Nine or whatever. And... That's all they need to do because that's all people want to digest anyways right now, because there's so much more to like, go check out. I'm not going to, you know, I'm I'm pretending I'm an 18 year old music listener. I'm not going to just go and listen to a whole record. I'm going to want to move on and, you know, Oh yeah. I, I like them. I like that song. Phoebe Bridger. Yeah. I like that song, you know, and, and then you move on to the other artists. I'd like to do that because you, you're working on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. You're, um, you're always in the studio and you're always making something new. And then eventually would these singles come together to as an album? Maybe? Maybe. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, that's not bad. All right, I don't want to keep you guys any longer. This has been great. Miles, okay. thank you so much. I- Tony, thank you so much. Now, during this interview, uh, I will be inserting music throughout. So when people okay. hear it, so uh, I always do a play out song. And since Miles introduced us with our with the show ID, I'm going to ask Tony, if you could pick one fastball song for the play out, what would you pick? Let's let's do, uh, what's it called? We're on our way. Can we do that song? We're of course we way. can. Okay. It's on Step Into Light. All right. Excellent. Now. Let's do some quick promoting. You can go to 
fastballtheband.com for everything about the band. You can go follow the band on Twitter at fastballtheband and go out and buy their most recent album. It's their seventh studio album, The Help Machine. And guys, thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you guys had fun. And uh, you guys yeah. stay safe, healthy, and well. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. you See you guys. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. So that was Fastball. And a little promoting on my end. You can follow us at Rock Solid Show. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Dotson Funny. You can follow me at Pat underscore Francis. And you can go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things about the show. And ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy a little bit of Fastball. The obstacles, the obstacles, the obstacles.